In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tecovis store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit tecovis.com, that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and don't go gently, y'all. In every pair of Tecovis boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Tecovis boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. We also offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. As spring makes its way into summer, stay cool in a short-sleeve moisture-wicking pearl snap or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tecovis's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tecovis.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. From the nation's capital, this is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast with your host, Rob Snowett. Thanks for downloading this podcast. This is Series 1, Episode 99, the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. This is a talk I gave last night at the Free State Fly Fishers of Maryland. It's a Federation of Fly Fishers Club located outside of Annapolis, and it is the talk of the seasonality of fly fishing in and around Washington, D.C., specifically urban fishing. It's been a long time since we've done a podcast. Last time it was probably cold and snowing. Today it was 85 degrees and it was rather hot being out there guiding a client who got his first fly rod caught fish today. He got uh, long-eared sunfish, spotted bass, and bluegills. And we had river herring all around us because it's the springtime right now. The river is full of fish. So let's get started with this podcast. For those of you who've listened to previous podcasts, this may be redundant for you, but it's basically a consolidated talk about what is fishable in and around the DC metro area throughout the different times of the year. And I'm recording this podcast because the wife is out of town and I am watching the kid instead of going out and getting into trouble. So I'm home for the next five days while she does a team endurance race across Cape Cod. Uh, I'm going to talk where to fish locally, why to fish locally in and around the DC metro area. I'm going to talk about the four seasons of fly fishing around here, the gear required, the fish species that are available. I have maps, which you can't see, but I'll talk about them. And these, if you go to my website, there's the maps somewhere. It's a Google map with push pins. These spots are all on it, so you can zoom in and around Washington, D.C. Every one of these is within the beltway, except for there's two spots that are not in the beltway. Other than that, everything is inside the beltway. And then I'm going to tell you some resources on where to get more information about these locations. So why fish locally? Well, first off, gas is expensive. Gas prices are $4 in D.C. right now, $3.60 out here in Annandale. I don't have the funds to spend a hundred bucks to go fishing for the day just in gas. That's just not feasible. I don't have enough free time to spend three hours in the car in each direction. I run a business. I am a husband. I have a soon to be three year old. 
I just don't have the time. When I get out fishing, if I have time, when if I don't have clients on a Saturday, I might go out and wet a line for a couple hours locally, one of these spots. If my daughter's in school and I don't have clients, I'm going to head out locally and fish for two hours, three hours while she's in school. There are plenty of species to catch in this area, so there's always something to keep you entertained. There are a lot of challenges to fishing around here from the urban environment to the roll casting, the limited space, to the gear you need because you honestly don't know what you're going to catch. Which leads me to the next one. The fish are big. There are very big fish here. Two of my friends were out last night fishing on the lower Potomac and they got into some snakeheads that are massive. They are very big fish. You could be fishing for just bass and bluegill and get into something huge. My client, Michael, two weeks ago, we were fishing for shad during the shad run at chain bridge he hooked into an american shad that broke eight pound tippet that's a pretty strong fish eight pound tippet is a very big female american shad and then we got um, i think they said 65 million gallons of rain fell last wednesday alone in dc we got one of the, it was the heaviest rain ever recorded in a single day in the dc metro area in the Potomac River in D.C., the water that comes through there is from, I think, 11,000 square miles of drainage. So there's a lot of water that comes into the Potomac, so everything was shut down. It's just getting fishable again. But you have a lot of species, and some of them can be big. There are short walks. We're not talking about long walks in and out. You don't have to ride a mountain bike in and ditch it in the woods to then ride it back to your car. Today, we parked and walked maybe 100 yards and got into four-mile run, and the fishing was great. It was nonstop action from 9.30 to 12.30 all morning long. Fishing urban waters in and around D.C. have clean bathrooms. They're places you can go eat. You can go get pupusas and burritos, tacos, nachos, fried chicken restaurants, saltenas. Um, hot dog vendors. There are places you can go get cold Gatorade, ice cream, Slurpees. You can go get a cold beer. Um, there's there's certain amenities that you find when you're fishing in and around here. You don't have to carry a little travel pack of tissues with you in case you got to drop the kids off in the woods. You can walk up to places and use a restroom back on the water in a couple of minutes. Some of these places even have porta potties in the parking lot because they share the parking lot Parking lots are shared with other events that happen there, like uh, soccer fields and stuff. One thing um, is the yoga pants. You know, if I'm fishing the South Platte in Colorado, I bet you dollars to donuts there's no chick that's going to run by you wearing shiny black yoga pants. But I guarantee you if you're fishing Gravelly Point or you're fishing the Tidal Basin or you're up at Fletcher's or if you are... At four mile run, there's going to be a yoga pant hatch. And just remember, yoga pants are a privilege, not a right. Now, I got my wife a pair of yoga pants for the running training she's been doing. And she only wears them to the gym. And I told her, I said, that is a very poor return on investment for me. And she got extremely offended. It's not fair that I buy her yoga pants, the the, um, tight black shiny Under Armour ones. I don't get to see her wearing those. That is not happening. We're going to change that rule when she comes back from her her uh, race. And the last bullet point on why to fish locally is you can watch these crazy snakehead snaggers. This time of year, they're lined up all around Chain Bridge doing everything illegal they can to get snakeheads. And I saw a guy snag one. They're using nylon rope now on saltwater rods with treble hooks that don't even fit in your hand that have lead on them. And this guy snagged one and broke his saltwater surf casting pole on a snakehead. Just crazy stuff. All right. If you Google uh, go fish great angling spots in and around the Potomac River, fish you are apt to see there and the lures likely to land them. Illustrations by Britt Spencer. This is a article I helped work on for the Washingtonian Magazine. And, of course, they gave me credit in the smallest font possible. So I'm going to read you some of these uh, species. And there's a map of the Potomac River through D.C., the species of fish, when and where to catch them. So we ta- start at the top of the Potomac here. Species, common carp, where to find it. Sino Canal near Old Anglers Inn, Potomac, in June. Fly, woolly bugger. Stock carp from the canal towpath, sight cast to feeding fish that can weigh up to 30 pounds. 
Move downstream. Species. Shad. American and Hickory. Where to find it? Chain Bridge. When? April. Fly. Shad dart. These ocean-going fish come to spawn and will strike small, bright flies and small flies with gusto. Fish near the bridge or rent a rowboat at Fletcher's Boathouse. Where to find it? Tidal Basin. Snakehead. In July. Clouser Minnow. I got to lean in. My eyes are not as good as they used to be. Snakeheads have an unusual respiratory system that lets them breathe both in and out of water. To find them, look for fish breathing air at the surface. Be prepared for a fight if you catch one. You can't eat it. Species snakehead. I'll tell you that I was out there on Tuesday when my daughter was in school, and there were more freaking snakeheads than you could throw a stick at. Um, it looks like the audio is getting better with this, so I'm actually going to hold this microphone close to me instead of having it on the little tripod. So the snakeheads were coming up and breathing absolutely everywhere in front of me the other day, and it was so frustrating. I was fishing CK baitfish, clousers, curly-tailed flies, snallygaster worms, damsel nymphs, and nothing. I caught one nice hickory shot on a clouser, which is kind of strange. It's a big fly for them to, to chase and smack. Moving downstream, we have... Striped bass, where to find it? Gravelly point, when in May, fly, clouser, minnow. Feeding stripers will herd schools of bait fish into a concentrated ball and attack. Low light is best. Don't hook a landing airplane on your back cast. Next, where to find it? Species, largemouth bass, four-mile run, when? August, fly, popper. Nothing like topwater bass to get your heart pounding. Fish beneath overhanging brush and along the shoreline on outgoing tide. Cast from shore or wade below Mount Vernon Avenue. Next up, species, channel cat. Where to find it? Dyke Marsh. When? September. Fly, clouser, woolly bugger, or a juicy nightcrawler. These fish aren't picky, and they put up a heck of a fight. Hold on tight and set the drag to handle these rod benders. Cast and release is recommended for all species listed except snakeheads. So that is what we put into the Washingtonian Magazine to talk about the seasonality of the fishing in the Washington, D.C. area. Licenses. Well, if you're in Virginia, you obviously need a Virginia license. If you're in Maryland, you need a Maryland license. If you're in Washington, D.C., you need a D.C. license. But then there's the reciprocity. The entire Potomac, except from Little Falls to the Wilson Bridge, is owned and operated by Maryland. So a Maryland license will work on either shoreline. There's a reciprocity. However, either side of the shoreline Across from Washington, D.C., so that's Little Falls to the Wilson Bridge requires a D.C. license. Washington, D.C. is patrolled mostly by the National Park Police because it is all National Park land. And they're carrying guns. They don't take any crap. And they're pretty serious dudes. They want to see your Washington, D.C. fishing license displayed on your person, tangible, not a PDF or screenshot on your phone. That's just a heads up. The Washington, D.C. license, six bucks in quote unquote in state and quote unquote out of state is like 13 bucks for the year. It is the best you're ever going to find for a fishing license. And the picture here is a client named Basil and he's holding up like a 12 pound carp caught right next to the Jefferson Memorial. One of the best fishing days ever. Before I got a cease and desist letter that said you are no longer allowed to guide in the national park known as the National Mall, including the Tidal Basin. Kind of upsetting. That was my bread and butter. The seasonality, we have winter, spring, summer, and fall. And there's a song about that. Annual periodicity is something that this whole podcast is based on. I did a previous podcast on annual periodicity. It's things that occur at certain times of the year, every year, based on water temperatures, light, etc. So you always know the shatter coming in. You always know that there's a Mother's Day caddis hatch. You always know every... 25 years, you get brood X cicada. You know that crayfish are going to molt on a full moon. You know that the gar are going to show up in late May. You know the snakeheads are going to spawn as soon as the, the shatter in the water. You know the shatter are going to arrive when the cormorants are thick. Annual periodicity. The whole system goes on a uh, cyclical cycle. Let's start with spring. And there's a picture here of a dude fishing in Ohio Drive. When I say in Ohio Drive, the river last week flooded everything. And this guy is standing in ankle-deep water, in water that had 5.5 million gallons of raw sewage released into it the day before. He was catching catfish. 
So the species shad, hickory and American, that is the key. It's world-class fishing. I said last night in my talk that there are people that come from out of state for weeks on end to fish. You know, if the fishing's good enough for people to leave Montana and come here to fish for a couple weeks, it's good. On a good day, Morgan from Tightline Tales Fly Fishing will tell you he caught 100 shad two weeks ago. My clients were having freaking banner days, rod bending, nonstop shad action for a couple weeks until we got the rain last week. And now the river's gone back down and I'll start guiding again for shad. River herring, which are blueback herring and alewives, they are in the river. They will eat flies, but it's not likely. Today, they were at our feet. We were fishing crystal clear water, four-mile run. Honestly, it couldn't. It, it looked like there was no water in there. Like the fish were swimming in air. That's how clean the water is there. And there were hundreds of them all around us. You might hook one and have a striped bass or a largemouth bass eat it off your line, which has happened in the past. White perch come in by the millions. They're very easy to catch. They're going to be... So the spring fish have not only they come in at different times based on the water temperatures, but they're going to be at a different um, stratification throughout the water. So hickories are usually more top. Americans pretty deep. And if you want to get white perch, just let your fly sink to the bottom and just start slightly jigging your fly and you're going to get into white perch. Now they're a little jerks because they have very sharp dorsal fins. And they have very sharp uh, gill caps, gill covers. And I still have a cut. It's going to be three weeks on Saturday that my finger got cut when I threw one back. And the males will spooge all over you. It's like they're squirting out Elmer's glue. They're kind of gross. So be careful with the white perch. Now, the snakeheads also show up. I've never seen one chase a fly. I've put it one, like I said the other day, and there was probably 100, 120 I saw in three hours. None of them would eat. I had one snakehead actually sit there and suspend itself in the water. And just look at my CK bait fish style fly, but it wouldn't eat it. It was pretty awesome. My adrenaline was absolutely pumping, but that fish had no interest in actually eating. People have caught them out there. I don't know if they foul hooked them, if they've actually eaten their flies. I'm just saying I've never seen a snakehead at Chain Bridge this time of year eat, but it happens. Uh, Victor Fells from TPFR caught one on top water last weekend. Before the storms, I should say before last weekend. It was one night after um, after school for him. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Because he's still in school. We also have the striped bass that come in. There's a, a certain time of year you're actually allowed to keep them. You're not allowed to keep American or hickory shad. You're not allowed to keep river herring. The stripers come in. Mike, the animal, got a 50-incher yesterday at Fletcher's Cove off of uh, a jig. So they are in there, and soon we're going to start seeing the schoolies, the 18s, the 12s, the 6-inchers. So this coming Monday, the 12th of May, 2014, if we're keeping count here, I'll be teaching Clouser minnows at the Tidal Potomac Rotters beer, fly, beer tie. Yeah, we'll be tying flies and drinking beer. You also have the bass and bluegill, our post-spawn or pre-spawn right now. Ethically, you know, I don't like to fish for anything that's on a nest protecting. Um, but if you're blind casting and you hook some of these fish, it happens. But most of the time right now, we're fishing pretty clear water and we can see them. If they're in the fast flowing water, they're not there to spawn because their eggs will get washed away. There's no nests in class three rapid water at Chain Bridge. It ain't going to happen. And pretty soon the gar are going to arrive. Once they're done with their spawn, they'll be in spawning pairs. You'll see them all over the place. They're football fat and they look like baguettes with snouts and fins. They're pretty stupid. They'll eat anything once they're done with the spawn. So go for that. Summertime, you have largemouth, smallmouth, striped bass, snakeheads, bluegill, gar, carp, and a ton, ton of others. But that's what we're going to target. I love the dog days of summer. August, humid, cicadas and katydids, fishing until 9.30 p.m. at night for smallmouth on the Potomac and walking around the tidal basin that time of year. If we move to Colorado, I'm I'm going to miss that. There's the steamy fishing at night when the streetlights are coming on and people are starting to come out because it finally cooled off and it's just awesome. 
Stripping topwater bugs at dusk, it doesn't get better than that around here. The reason why summer's so great, you have a longer photo period, so it's lighter early and it gets uh, dark later. So you have longer time to fish during the day. However, most of these fish are crepuscular or diurnal. They're active at low periods of light, so you either got to get up early or stay out later. There's warmer temperatures, so their metabolism is more sped up. They can move faster, but they also need to eat more. There's also more food items. In the wintertime, you know, it's pretty dormant. There's just some slow bait fish moving around. In the summer, you got crayfish, damselflies, dragonflies, caddisflies, snails, shrimps, crabs, um, lots of bait fish. You're going to have all those baby shad. Right now, it's all the shad, herring, eggs that are in the water the fish are eating. There's lots of other fish to eat in the summer. So there's prolific amounts of food, and the fish are chowing down on them. There's less water during the summer because we get droughts here in D.C., so you can count on those fish being kind of isolated. If you're in a lake or river, the water's going to be lower, and they're going to be in higher concentrations in a less square footage of area. There's also less traffic in the summer here, so you can actually get out and fish in the morning and not have to worry about it taking you an hour to go 10 miles. It took me 45 minutes to go 10 miles on Tuesday to get to the tidal basin, which really pissed me off, but... It was a beautiful morning, and there was um, flowers in bloom and birds out and had the radio on in the car, so it wasn't too bad. I love summer fishing here, and we've got the new Stealthcraft boat, and we will be on that pretty much every weekend now, starting as soon as I get my registration to have the outboard. We'll go into more depth in the Brown Trout podcast that I'm planning next. The fall is fish fattening up for winter. So all the gizzard shad young go somewhere, the hickory shad young go out to the ocean, but the American shad fry stay in the river until late October, and you'll see them. They school up, they eat terrestrials, they eat bugs in the surface. You'll see them everywhere. So you want to throw baby American shad flies, four-inch popsicles, four-inch clousers. Not only are stripers fattening up for the winter, but largemouth and smallmouth. And you can guarantee that going out at low light and throwing these streamer flies, you're going to get into big fish. It's the peak water temperature for their metabolism. 65 degrees is just absolutely perfect for large straws. Oh, man, it's been a long day. Largemouth, smallmouth, and striped bass. You're also going to get channel catfish, carp feeding then. You might get some nasty needlefish in the water. You might still have some shad hanging around and snakeheads too. Fall is an absolute banner time. The Potomac, now they're cracking down on waiting. So I think um, our days of, of waiting out at four-mile run are going to be limited. That's usually been the hot spot. But there's other places you can go where the cops aren't going to patrol. They're not going to see you. And you should be able to get into some fish. You also have the grasses dying because there's less photo period. There's less chlorophyll A and chlorophyll B or chlorophyll alpha and beta, which are the predominant light waves that allow plants to photosynthesize. And we're talking in the grana and all this other stuff in the chloroplasts. So the plants are going to start dying back. There's just not enough light for them to photosynthesize and convert solar energy into food. So they're going to die back for the year. And that allows easier waiting and more opportunities to find the bass. They're not deep in cover anymore. They're out in the open. It's a, it's a pretty cool time to fish. Uh, I really enjoy the fall fishing. But then again, I guarantee you, I can put you on stripers on a 100-degree day in the summertime. They're not going to be huge. They might be 16 inches, but on a five-weight, it's going to give a bend. You will have your finger burnt up when they run. I guarantee winter fishing. Now, it's a picture of me on Potter's Flats boat with a glove. I went probably the entire month of January without catching a single fish. Winter, you want to target the hot water discharges, sewage and hydroelectric. In these waters, you will find, and the water is about 72 as the hottest and 65 is the coldest. Carp, bass, bluegill, pumpkin seed, walleye, stripers, goldfish, crappie, and tilapia. And there's other things mixed in there, but that's the main foray of fish in the wintertime. And there is a lot of fishing to do. You know, it's cold out. I used to spend my winters out in Pennsylvania, Maryland, and western, southwestern Virginia trout fishing. I Like I said in the first slide, I just don't have time. I can't go up to Big Hunting Creek. I don't have the money for it. I mean, it's just it's not feasible for me to be spending that much time driving and not fishing. 
Whereas if I've got a couple hours, my wife takes our daughter to Jimboree or to my parents' house for a couple hours. If I don't have a client, I can just run out, throw on my waders, throw on my wellies, and go fishing somewhere. So let's talk about the hardware you need to fish this area. Minimum nine-foot rod, unless you're in deep cover. Seven-foot sage bass rod will do great. And I will tell you, the new rod I'm endorsing for the Potomac River is a Temple Fork Outfitters mangrove rod. I got to use that. Rick Pope brought a bunch of sample rods to the Project Healing Waters 2 Fly, and Morgan Kuffner was uh, was raging about them. And they're, they're stiff rods. They're definitely what you need to pull bass out of the weeds. So 9-foot rod to about 12-foot 6. I don't like a, anything over 11, but 12-foot 6 is pretty popular two-handed rod. Five to eight weight range. It's very windy out here. You're going to be throwing big flies and you don't know what kind of fish you're going to be fighting. You go out with a four weight, you're probably going to catch a snakehead. You go out with an eight weight, you're going to get a bluegill. That's just how life works. 75% of the time you need a floating line. 25% of the time is sink tip. Sink tip is really only needed during false striper, outgoing tide, and during the shad run. Bring split shot with you if you want to get your line down deeper. Pliers and nippers. Now combine those. I like the um, is it the mitten clamp from um, Newcast. I really like that. Laser sharp scissor. Hook files great because your flies will be banging off of piers, cement, rocks, trees, overpasses, bridges, bums, mill cartons, bicycles, oil drums, and shopping carts. So keep those files ready. I think the most important item I have, and can you guys hear this creaky chair? I don't know if that's that's audible. These are old Ikea chairs, and we're hoping to move and just leave these here one day. They're the worst. Actually, if you sit on them, the legs bend inward, and people keep falling out of them, but we're just not buying new chairs yet. Polarized glasses, they'll keep hook out of your eye. They'll keep tree branches out of your eye. They're going to allow you to see through the water, know where to safely walk and where to throw your fly. And waders, they're pretty important around here, even in the summertime. I'll get into that soon. Your leaders, nine foot or longer, especially if you're going to have a dropper. So that's nine plus 18 inches. These fish are not leader shy. The shad, I've never seen a human before. You're the first person they've ever seen. A lot of these fish never really see people. They're in thick cover if it's the summertime. They, they're not leader shy. You know, We'll take a, a boat in a four-mile run. A canoe, the bass, you'll, you'll go over four or five-pound bass. No fear of you at all. They don't even know what you are. I like to build my own leaders out of Berkeley Vanish. I don't have any 30-pound Berkeley Vanish, so my butt section is vicious, green line, 30-pound, and then I use Berkeley Vanish, 20-pound for my middle section, and then the tippet's going to be 14, 10, or 8, depending on our quarry. Since we just broke off an 8-pound tippet fish, I'm leaning more towards... um, 10 pound is my lightest right now. That's my mood. And I use a perfection loop to connect my 30 pound butt section to about two feet of fluorescent orange amnesia and then blood knot to the 20 pound blood knot to the tippet. If we're going to be using sinking lines and I will use maybe just a a short piece of 20 pound as my leader. If I want to have split shot on, I'll tie like your floating line, 30, 20, barrel swivel to 14 pound. And then I can have my split shot right above that swivel. And I don't have to worry about it, you know, um, sliding down and hanging up on the fly. You can also buy fly shop leaders. That's, there's nothing wrong with that, but I build my own. It's easier for me to interchange them. I can easily go from eight pound to 14 pound with no worries. Remember about every five to six flies, you swap out, swap out your tippet material flies these fish are all opportunistic feeders unless they're the ones budding out of aggression those are the shad and and herring they'll eat pretty much anything generic patterns we're not matching the hatch somebody posted a picture of a mayfly today on facebook and i'm like you know what i I used to know the hatches and hatch charts and the periodicity of trout stream insects but it's it's a long time since i've done that so it's bait fish. Everything in this river is piscivorous. It means they're going to eat fish, other fish. So a clouser minnow that's one inches long and four inches long will cover absolutely everything you need to do. But if you want to have fun, you have popping bugs and slider bugs, lots of rubber legs, generic beadhead nymph, doesn't matter what, as your dropper, damsel nymph. Absolutely, absolutely, 100%. Every time, 
throw a damselfly nymph as your dropper, you're going to get into fish. And I hope you've been on the the blog and you've gone to my YouTube to see how to tie it. One of the gentlemen last night had a whole Ziploc bag full of them. And I was just like, oh my God, this guy tied my damsel nymphs. It was so cool to see somebody else tying them. And he's going out with his son this weekend to a bass pond. And I'm like, dude, you have no idea what you're in for. It's going to be awesome. Can't go wrong with the woolly bugger. I was talking to Sean Brillin of Orvis asking to bring back the Travis beat a bugger. I haven't seen the beat a bugger on Orvis menu in about 15 years, but he said he's coming out with a tungsten cone head rubber legged bugger. If you Google beat a bugger, hopefully it comes up. It was a great fly. Can't go wrong with the wormies. I've been tying mine recently from the spaghetti ball from office depot. I got the glow in the dark one. And on Sunday, we were fishing a warm water tailwater. My client hooked literally every cast. He was catching a fish. He might not have set the hook on him, but he got a bite on every cast for an hour and a half. It was largemouth bass. It was crappy, black crappy, green sunfish and bluegills. And some of these green sunfish wouldn't fit in the palm of my hand. Huge. So tie a grasshopper or a, a popper slider, boogle bug, and have a wormy or damsel or a beadhead bug below it. And of course, their fly tails from easterntrophies.com. William will have them on sale sometimes on Facebook. You can buy them at all the fly shows, but easterntrophies.com. They are laser cut, ultra suede, the curly tails. He has the critter mite now, and he has the CK baitfish tails and the leech tails, which other schools call them the reaper tail. That's about all you need here. I carry a ton of flies with me, my fly boxes, but and I come down to it, chartreuse, bugger, chartreuse slider, chartreuse. I use chartreuse because I can see that. If I see my damselfly nymph disappear, I say set the hook or a chartreuse worm. It's what's easier for me to see. These fish are not too color um, coordinated when what they want to eat. My popsicles are going to be chartreuse, fuchsia, and white. I don't know why. I just tie them that way. You can tie them all white. I'll do white sliders with white rubber legs for stripers at night. Just have fun with it. And then shadflies, hot pink, hot chartreuse. That's usually the, the one that works. But the damselfly, of course, is your number one shadfly. I tie one 32-ounce shad jig, which is just a one 32-ounce shad jig from eBay. It's 100, 100 shad jigs for 4 bucks. when I got them last time. I do... Uh, three quarters of an inch of like a crystal flash or flashy blue material. And then just S body. That's it. And then about 18 inches below that, I'm going to have the damsel nymph and boom, it works. Waiters. Do you need waiters? Well, since it's technically illegal to enter the Potomac or unlawful, no, you can't enter with waiters on, but there are days out there where you might be walking through some nasty mud and over rocks and, it's just helpful to have cleated boots. You don't have to worry about slipping, twisting an ankle, falling in. It's windy out here. There's lots of brush. There's mosquitoes. There's also dissolved pharmaceuticals in the water. You will grow boobs if you hang out in the Potomac too long. If all the male ovaries have, damn it, if all the male bass have ovaries from being in this water, you can guarantee that somehow you standing in this water will allow you to absorb estrogen. The sewage treatment plants that are up and down the river Take out your corn and sunflower kernels, etc. You know what I'm saying? But they don't take out dissolved pharmaceuticals that you excrete through your urine. So estrogen from women's birth control. There's going to be uh, antidepressants, antibiotics, whatever you're taking gets in the water. And the fish are bathed in that 24 hours a day and they absorb it. So yeah, you're going to get boobs. Hey, if you want your lady friend to get bigger boobs, bring her with her and don't put her in waders. Wellies, if you're fishing from shore, if you're fishing the tidal basin, flip-flops, man. There's no reason to be wearing waders or wellies. You just need flip-flops. Except if it's uh, a flooded... You know, I went out last Thursday and fished the flooded tidal basin and I wore my wellies and actually got them filled up at one point. Species, there is the potomacriver.org masterfishlist.pdf, and it has everything that's been in the river from king and coho salmon to pike perch. This is what you're going to catch. Largemouth bass, smallmouth bass, striped bass, American shad, hickory shad, gizzard shad, long-nosed gar, carp, white perch, yellow perch, northern snakeheads, bluegills, pumpkin seeds, crappies, long-eared sunfish, river herring, 
Channel catfish, bullhead catfish, blue catfish, goldfish, Nile tilapia, redfish, muskie, walleye. And if you're lucky in your bat cast, you're going to hook a girl in yoga pants. There is a plethora of species you can catch in the Potomac River, so be prepared. You don't know what you have until you land that fish. Your little landing net you use for trout is not going to cut it when you hook into a 20-pound catfish. You got to have a big landing net with you. And I suggest using a landing net for shad because they got a hell of a lot of fight in them and they do not let you grab them. You can lip them, but most of the time the hook is in the lower lip. You don't want to put that hook through your thumb. And they have what are called scoots on their bellies, which are serrated backward shaped scales like shingles on a roof that will cut the bejeebus out of your hand. And they will continue to fight even when you're holding them. So it's a good idea for their safety and yours. Just net them, let them sit at the bottom of your rubber bag net and take the hook out and just flop them back in. So where to fish? Springtime. Everyone is at Chain Bridge. Google Fletcher's Boathouse or Fletcher's Cove. And I'll give you another website later. But you want to fish between the platform, which is one quarter mile above Chain Bridge, to Fletcher's Cove which is one mile below Chain Bridge. You also want to be able to fish the Sino Canal for carp and Rock Creek below National Zoo. You cannot fish above National Zoo in the Rock Creek. Rock Creek will fill up with snakeheads, shad, gar, needlefish, striped bass, everything will go in there. And instead of catching them in the big, nasty river, you can catch them in a creek. Watch out for the homeless guys. They all live in that section where Sino Canal meets Rock Creek meets the Potomac River. A lot of yoga pants there. I fish the chain bridge on Virginia side mainly because my federal permit only allows me to fish the GW Parkway. I do not have a Sino Canal permit and nobody does. Zach on the hill from TPFR is pursuing one. He's going to start his own guide business, but it is illegal to go out with any fishing guide from on the Potomac from Georgetown and DC to Hancock, Maryland. You can't go with a guide who puts in at, um, Anywhere, basically. So there's a lot of fishing guys that put in at, um, where is that place up above Point of Rocks? I can't remember, but yeah, they're breaking the law and there's a lot of liability involved. So your guide should have legal issues if you were to get hurt. But I fished the Virginia side. It's out of the wind. It's in the shade. There's less walking and there is fewer gizzard shad. So gizzard chatter, disgusting. We don't want to catch them. I don't want to get sunburned. I don't get want to get windburned. I don't want to get dehydrated. It's easier for me to fish the Virginia side. There's less parking, but it's easier to get to. And we do pretty damn good over there. So Chain Bridge, you got the platform. So if you park at Chain Bridge, walk one quarter mile up. It's literally a five-minute drive. Make your five-minute walk. Damn it. I totally forgot to eat lunch. It's seven 28 right now, and I ate a ugh, black beans smeared on a tortilla and microwaved it this morning and a cup of Dunkin' Donuts coffee. So I'm a little lightheaded right now. Um, so you walk up five minutes. There's a sewage pump house on your right, a trailhead on your left. Follow that concrete sidewalk down. It's going to open up into about a 100 by 100 square foot concrete platform. Climb over the wall. There's a big eddy there. Everything's in there. Be very careful walking there. There's a lot of broken glass, a lot of sharp sticks, a lot of sharp rocks. It's very treacherous. Don't climb out on to the rocks and get stuck when the tide comes in. Fletcher's Cove is a historic site now operated by the National Park Service. It is one mile below Chain Bridge. You want to turn at the Abner Cloud House. If you're coming from the Claire Barton Parkway west, it is a hairpin turn. You might want to come down MacArthur Boulevard or come from Georgetown. That road is one way in the morning going into D.C., one way coming out of D.C. in the afternoon. You can rent boats there. They're rowboats. It's 25 bucks a day. This time of year, you have to get there at 4 in the morning to get a boat. You can launch canoes and kayaks from the southern end. Don't drive your car down there because you're going to ruin the park, and they will stop letting you put your boat in. Basically, just get your boat out. Drop your anchor. Don't use a nice anchor. You're going to lose it. Use what's called an Arkansas anchor which is a Potomac River rock wrapped around with hemp rope. And if you get your rock stuck, you can't pull it out. You cut the rope and it will rot and eventually just go down river and dissolve. You can fish above Fletcher's from shore. You can fish the bottom of the cove from shore. I had one of the best days ever. 
earlier in April fishing from the point at the end of it's Walker's Point, the end of Fletcher's. I haven't had shad that hard. One bent a hook, one broke eight pound line. It was nuts. Every one of those pretty much had to be fought on the reel. It was awesome. There's hot dogs they sell there. You can get Gatorade. You can get live bait. It's the only place to actually tangibly, physically, in your hand, purchase a Washington, D.C. fishing license. Rock Creek, which is the house of Sweden. There is the boathouse down there. You can fish. You can also fish along the Washington waterfront. There's the frat guy bars down there that overcharge you for Miller and Coors Light. So don't go to them. Summer, where to fish? Tidal Basin. And four mile run, but I'm going to list others. When I have free time, I'm pretty much going to the tidal basin. I don't have to wear waders. I don't get nasty. There are hot dog vendors. There's clean bathrooms and there are water fountains and there are big fish. It's not always consistent, but when it's good, it is fantastic. So the tidal basin, I did the podcast on the tidal basin. I'll talk about that later, but reference that or just Google fly fishing the tidal basin. Gravelly point. Any time of the day, outgoing tide, two hours after, sink tip, clouser minnow, boom, you're going to be to fish. Roaches run the other side of Gravelly Point. Sino Canal, you're going to have the mulberry hatch. Four-mile run, it is full of everything. The water is 1,700 gallons a minute come out of the sewage treatment plant at 65 degrees Fahrenheit. You can wait in there after high tide, about two hours after. So look for Washington National Airport on a tide chart. Jones Point is the park underneath the Wilson Bridge. Little Hunting Creek is right by Mount Vernon. And Cameron Run is at the end of Old Town Alexandria. So I have maps here. The Tidal Basin is a four-leaf clover-shaped man-made structure surrounded by a cement wall with a sidewalk on top. Start at one point and walk clockwise or counterclockwise, throwing your flies along the wall or out in the middle. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. It's awesome. It's a 24-hour open to public national park you need a dc license and it can have fish from two inch long baby shad to four foot long gar and 30 pound catfish to 30 inch striped bass you don't know what you're going to get into which makes it always fun and you get to hang out and answer tours questions and the president sikorsky's are going to fly over there are chinooks there are blackhawks there are hueys you're next to the airport there are bald eagles loons ospreys Girls in yoga pants, you have the cherry blossoms. It's just awesome. It's extremely scenic. You have the Thomas Jefferson Memorial, Franklin Delano Roosevelt Memorial. You have the Martin Luther King Memorial. You have Kutz Pond, the Washington Monument, the U.S. Mint, the Holocaust Memorial. Everything is right there. It is absolutely stunning. Near there, you have Constitution Gardens, which is by the White House. As Morgan pointed out last night in the talk, that is where the loony dude drove his John Deere tractor in with fake... Dynamite sticks on him about 14 years ago. It's a two to three acre pond. It's shaped like, uh, I don't know, what would you call that? Like a kidney bean, maybe? Like a weird footprint. And it's stocked with bluegill and largemouth bass. It's about a foot deep. And there's really no water that goes into it. It's fed by the tidal basin pumping station. Um, but it's mostly rainwater, so the fish don't see a lot of creatures that come into it other than terrestrials. So... You throw a fly in there, sight cast a two-pound largemouth bass, it can be fantastic. However, on a very hot summer, you get a massive fish kill and everything dies. So I don't know if there's anything, any fish in there. Maybe the pixie and I will go explore it tomorrow. Parking can be a real biatch down there. After three, they will tow your car. DC loves to do shenanigans like giving you tickets and towing. But you can park in the tidal basin. It's a three-hour parking limit, and you can walk over there. Little Hunting Creek is a tidal creek that is the southern, just about the southernmost point of the GW Parkway. You want to look for Riverside Park. There's bathrooms there. It's a U.S. National Park location. You want to go after high tide on the outgoing tide and, and walk over to the bridge. And there's definitely uh, 
foot trails down and swing streamers through there. Snakeheads, largemouth. You're probably not going to get smallmouth. There's gar. Big fish in there. Um, it's where the Department of Game and Inland Fisheries does their electroshocking. It's also where a lot of bass tournament guys go. It goes way up there. If you've got a boat, you can go in at Dogue or Pohick or Gravelly Point or Bellhaven and then go up the creek. It's fantastic. It's absolutely stunning, beautiful. The houses there are ridiculous. The houses are bigger than my condo building. But outgoing tide, and you can fish the shoreline down there. It's uh, it's pretty weedy. There's a lot of egrets and herons, and you're going to see more ospreys than you can shake a stick at, literally. Sino Canal Lock 7 has you know, four-pound carp. They like um, John Montana's hybrid carp fly. They like beadhead hare's ears. They like wormies. It's difficult to cast. It's roll casting. You're up elevated on the canal. At your feet is a lot of poison ivy and weeds, depending on how often the U.S. Park Police come by or U.S. Park Service and cut the weeds. There's a lot of things you get tangled on, but it's all sight casting. You park at Lock 7 and walk all the way down as far as you want towards the chain bridge and then walk your way back up. Sino Canal in Georgetown has got largemouth bass, channel catfish, huge carp, and bluegill. You can find overhanging trees. There's the mulberry hatch that goes on down there. They fill the canal every spring, and the fish come in, and then they get drained out in the end of the summer. You don't know what you're going to find in there, but it's a beautiful little walk. It's scenic. You can walk up to Potomac and P Street and get a falafel. You can go watch the gapers getting their cupcakes. People literally, honestly, stand in line for four hours to get a cupcake from Georgetown Cupcake because the place was on TV. I think they now have a vending machine for cupcakes. It's nuts. And you're talking a $5 cupcake. They're good, but they're not worth standing in line. You can walk up to Dean and DeLuca and get ice water. There's a 7-Eleven and a CVS down there, so you can go in and get Slurpees to cool off. It's fun. Another place, just walking your flip-flops. You can use the restroom at Patagonia. Definitely go in, say hi to everybody. They now sell TFO Tenkara rods. It's pretty cool. You can buy a TFO and, and go fishing right behind the store. You can fish off the balcony in the men's department. Cameron Run and Hunting Creek are where the two rivers or creeks meet. It's very urban. It's a bridge on the GW Parkway next to Bellhaven Golf Course, just south of the Wilson Bridge in Old Town, Alexandria. Outgoing, incoming tide, fish stack up in and around that bridge. It's shady. It drains. All those bait fish get sucked out, and the fish sit there and eat them. There's a big mud flat there. You can pull a boat through there. There's redfish there in the summer times, and it's right next to um, Jones Point. So in fall, you want to fish the tidal basin. I'm telling you, at dusk, incoming tide, stripers, stripers, stripers. Gravelly Point at dusk, two hours after high tide. You're lower down. There's a bridge and road blocking you. It gets darker earlier. And the lights will come on at about 7 p.m. and on the runway. And you can see everything and fish there. Don't get caught in the water because you're going to get fined. Jones Point is National Park. It's in Old Town, Alexandria. It's under the Wilson Bridge. There are docks for launching kayaks. There are three fishing piers. You can walk around to the old D.C. lighthouse. And the whole area used to be building bomber destroyer ships during World War II. A pretty historic area, and there's striped bass that hang out there. There's also stocked urban waters. You have so the places before um, Bellhaven and Little Hunting are the only places outside of the Beltway in all of this. This is just inside the Beltway. It's literally under the Beltway. Uh, but the stocked urban waters, there's one inside the Beltway. Homes Run. It's a top water tailwater release. They stock it with trout. You totally forget you're in an urban setting right now. There's Mountain laurel and wildflowers and wild tomatoes growing back there. Deer, turkey, owls, you name it. It's a beautiful stream full of shrimps, scuds, crest bugs, helgramites, eels. There's carp in there, and they stock you know, up to 19-inch rainbows. However, last season, they ruptured a sewer line and killed all the trout. Now, just outside the beltway, almost parallel to it in Annandale at Little River Turnpike, you have Akatink Creek. And we walked along there today. My daughter was very happy she found a wrench, and she liked smashing rocks with her wrench. There were deer walking along the trail. There were woodpeckers. They stocked that with browns and rainbows. There's also resident 
bluegills and largemouth bass and it's urban fishing and you totally forget you're in an urban environment when you're out at these streams it's pretty cool so again where to fish in the fall you want to fish those spots that have moving tides at low light low air pressure and precipitation so if it's a cold rainy night between august and november you are going to be getting into striped bass on the outgoing tide and you want to time it low light cloud cover precipitation those are the key factors that you are going to find striped bass and they're absolutely beautiful if i was going to get a fish tattoo i would get a striped bass i think they're probably the most beautiful fish steelhead are pretty brook trout are pretty but it's that pure just silver white with those seven black bands going down it and that fight of them and their aggression that's really what got me into hardcore fly fishing was when i caught that first striper on a fly rod so Gravelly Point, how to fish it? Well, you have to come out of the airport if you're coming from the north. You drive into Gravelly Point, you park and walk the trail, the Mount Vernon bike trail towards the airport or south. And there's a foot trail that goes down to the tunnel where the water comes out of Roaches Run. Just Google Roaches Run Waterfowl Sanctuary and you're going to see all this. The water comes out rushing at outgoing tide and the fish stack up there. They eat the bait fish, they get sucked out. Not only do the bait fish get sucked through the tunnel, but there's micro invertebrates, macro invertebrates that get sucked out too. So the baby shad and bluegill and another fish are there to eat those, which then get eaten by the stripers and largemouth and smallmouth. Fantastic fishery. You can put your boat in there. You rarely see anybody fishing in a kayak canoe or float tube there, which would solve the problem of not being able to wade. It's very simple. I, I take my drift boat there all the time. Not with clients. You have to have a captain's license, which I don't have. It's very loud. The airplanes fly over. It doesn't bother the fish. Jones Point, like I said, outgoing, incoming tide. That water is going to rush through there. If you've got a kayak, you want to drift through the channels under the Wilson Bridge, which are deep. You want a 300-grain-plus sink line with you know double rig clousers and deceivers. You'll get into some big stripers there. And if you drop anchor and put some chicken livers on, you're going to get into some major blue catfish. Another spot that has water fountains and restrooms. Great playground too. So I can go fishing while the wife and the pixie play at the playgrounds. Holmes Run, Tailwater, and Annadale Falls Church. It's Holmes Run, H-O-L-M-E-S Run 3 Park, Roman numeral 3. It's at the southern end of Lake Barcroft Dam. Lake Barcroft is a six-mile shorelined private lake that you're not allowed to fish. And right next to that is uh, Super Pollo, which is the best Peruvian chicken joint. I don't know if they have Peruvian chicken in other parts of the country. It's this chicken that's marinated in these like cumin herbs and then grilled over hot coals. And you get fried yuca and beans and rice and slaw. And you dip it all on this like yellow mayonnaise mustard mix. And it is the greatest. Every time I go in there, they ask where Mamacita is. It's so good. I kid you not. Like you drive up to Harris Teeter to go get your groceries and you just smell that charcoal chicken in the air and you're drooling. We don't eat it enough. It is. Oh man. It's so good. Pollo a la brasa. It, it's all over DC. Winter. Where to fish? Dickerson power plant, blue plains, four mile run and the those stocked urban trout waters. So. Dickerson Power Plant, you're going to want to Google Dickerson um, Recreational Regional Park. It's just north of White's Ferry. You park in this parking lot, walk up the Sino Canal to where the trail ends. And it says, uh, like, do not enter. And you walk down. And that's where the kayakers go. It's a warm water discharge, like 72 degrees. The problem is it's hit or miss. Holt and I drove there in January and the water was cold. So we spent, you know, like an hour and a half driving there hour and a half back it was like three hours out of our way then we went to four mile run and just caught bluegill and bass all day but it's uh it's potomac it's the upper stretch non-tidal so you get smallmouth walleye musky largemouth bluegill pumpkin seeds crappy and catfish in there helgramites damselflies and stoneflies black buggers clousers if it's on you know check the forums to see if it's been on recently fantastic fishing up there it's all hard substrate. You just walk out. Be careful not to slip. Holt will tell you I ate it. It's a minor slope of just pure slimy mud on that shoreline. And I had to wade in 
like chest deep to clean myself off. It looked like an elephant crapped on me. It was disgusting. It's in Poolsville, Maryland. It's a hike, but if you got time, it's worth it. Blue Plains is Washington, D.C.'s sewage treatment plant. It's across from Old Town, Alexandria. You can put a kayak in at Founders Park in Old Town near the Torpedo Factory. Go across the river and fish. There's a near this giant dock structure. The water comes out at like 70 degrees Fahrenheit. It's swimming pool clear. And you're going to see tens of thousands of gizzard chad in the water. It'll be black. That's how you know where the water's coming out. The goldfish hang out there. You get striped bass, largemouth bass, and the biggest carp you will ever see hang out there. I like to anchor off Marbury Point and sight cast to the cruising carp. They will cruise in schools. It's knucking futs. It smells disgusting. Imagine a Don's John that's full in the hottest, most humid weather that's in a fish market that hasn't gotten a new fish in a long time and the ice melted. That's what Blue Plain smells like. It's absolutely disgusting, but if you want to go fishing in the winter, that's where you go. You do need a boat to get there. You cannot get there on land. Potter has a flats boat, so we'll put in it gravelly, and he's got a 150 outboard. Takes us five minutes to get there, and he puts on the trolling motor, and we just go in circles. That water right at the plant, it's going to be like 70 and as you kind of go further out from the epicenter, the water gets cooler. So even if the water's 40 degrees, the fish are still active. So you can go all around that whole area. Four-mile run is in what is known as Arlandia. The southern point is Alexandria. The top shoreline is Arlington. The mouth is the southernmost point of National Airport. If you're not from here, it's Reagan National Airport. There are what, four parking spots. The westernmost is Four-Mile Run Park off Mount Vernon Avenue. Then there's Frank Manfield, M-A-N-N. There's a rudimentary boat ramp there. Across from Frank Manfield is South Eads, E-A-D-S Street. Then you have the Toyota dealership at Route 1. You can used to be able to park across the street from the Toyota dealership at the grocery stores, but the rent-a-cop said he would tow you. Those are the four parking spots. It's a channelized area by the Army Corps of Engineers after Tropical Storm Agnes completely flooded the area out in 1974. So it's channelized, it's tidal. Fish come in with the high tide, they leave with the outgoing tide. Incoming tide is whatever temperature the river is. In the summer, it can be 98 degrees. In the winter, it's 30 degrees. It was all frozen this winter. Outgoing tide, 65 degrees and crystal clear. The fish will be facing upstream at high tide or on the, let me rephrase that. On the outgoing tide, they're facing upstream. Incoming tide, they're facing downstream. They'll be facing whatever direction that is. I have the Latin term for that on the Brown Trout Podcast. You will find everything in there. You will find big fish, little fish, lots of fish. It was crystal clear today. We were sight casting to everything. Bring a a two-weight if you want to have fun. Bring an eight-weight if you want to throw in the wind. It gets very windy out there. You definitely want waders. It's industrial, it's urban, there's litter, there are snakes, there are people drinking in the woods, there are people running by, there's ospreys, bald eagles, there are helicopters flying over, the Coast Guard slash Homeland Security orange copter flies over and buzzes you as it goes to refuel at the airport. It's loud, but it's constant, consistent, dependable fishing it's where i take first time casters first time clients it's fun it's eight miles away 1700 gallons of crystal clear water coming out 24 hours a day 2.7 million gallons a day it's like fishing a tailwater and today there were herring trying to swim up the outflow herring at our feet like hundreds of them and it's so cool to have somebody that's new to fly fishing just look down and see two three hundred fish at their feet Swimming and schooling around in five feet of water. It's just, it's brilliant. Um, so the fly shops, there are five Orvises. Now, I don't know why Orvis built five stores. They can't keep them staffed. The employees have to go back and forth between two locations or more. You have Bethesda, Maryland, Clarendon, Virginia, Tyson's, Virginia, Leesburg, Virginia, Woodbridge, Virginia. You have Urban Angler in Old Town, Virginia, Old Town, Alexandria, and then Baltimore, you have Tochtermans. Now, shout out to Tochtermans. They carry my flies now. I did 120 flies for them about four weeks ago on a Saturday. That, that took about five hours of just cranking through shad flies. 
You have the Tidal Potomac Fly Rodders, TPFR. That's, um, I don't know my alphanumerics anymore. Tidal Potomac Fly Rodder.org. Every second Monday of the month, we have our beer tie. I will teach the fly tying. It's a seasonal. So last month was like shad flies. This month will be clousers. It's a free fly tying class. There's raffles. There's usually free fly tying materials. Whatever you don't win in the raffle, if they run out of raffle prizes, you're going to win the stuff I find. So during the shad run two weeks ago, we got a nice green Adidas long sleeve um, rugby shirt. Today we got Tops grocery store gift card, a $50 gift card to like Amazon. We got somebody's school ID and we got something else and a DVD. I found a porno recently and the wife threw it out before I got a chance not that I, and she wasn't worried I was going to watch it. We got the fine china rule. You can look, but you can't touch. So she has no worry about me looking at boobs. But the issue is that she didn't want that dirty CD in the house, DVD. So she threw it out. I was going to bring it to the beer tie for the laugh. It's pretty hilarious. And we also do free two-handed casting classes on Sundays at Fletcher's. John Bellotta, who lives in Georgetown, he does the Georgetown fly fishing blog. Um, John's out there like on the weekends and weekdays just casting. So if you go out there to the southernmost part of the parking lot, you're going to find a master certified casting instructor who's more than willing to show you some of the most ridiculous casting you can do with a two-handed rod that you ever can imagine. Resources, shadfishing.com. It's all over the U.S., but specifically it's based by Mike the Animal in D.C. Fletcherscove.com. You have the Orvis Fishing Reports, Mike's Catch Report. I don't know who Mike is. I've never met him. If I have, he never introduced himself as the guy. But it's like Bonefish, Steelhead, and Tidal Potomac. And I always get shout-outs from him. So definitely go fish it. Uh, Go look at it. God, it's like 8 o'clock and I'm starving. Pacemaker Fishing, that's run by Ernie Rojas. You do have to be a member of that one to post, but there's local hardcore guys like Curly and Captain Mike and a bunch of other guys, dependable fishing reports. And then you have Urban Lines on Vimeo, which is the movie we shot. We have the Snakehead Tournament coming up, PotomacSnakehead.com. It's May 31st, starts at 5 p.m., goes through June 1st, Sunday, which is my anniversary, at 1 p.m., or noon, I should say, on the 1st. It's going to be all-you-can-drink beer at the weigh-in, all-you-can-eat snakeheads, and last year, all-you-can-eat oysters. There are raffle items. Somebody won the Sage Bass Rod 8-weight last year. It is sponsored by Hollywood Oysters, Pro Fish, Urban Angler, Whack Factor, Flying Dog, Boat U.S., Alewife Restaurant, AMS Bow Fishing. I can't read the other ones. And Muzzy Something Bow Hunting. PotomacSnakehead.com. If you're not going to fish it, be out there just for the weigh-in. You'll see the most disgusting piles of snakeheads. And dude, dudettes, free beer. Seriously, free beer. It's like 20 minutes from D.C. That's pretty much it for the seasonality of fly fishing in D.C. This kind of sums up a lot of the podcasts I've done before, but I thought I would put it out there for those that couldn't make it to last night's talk. I want to thank Luis, Morgan, and Dennis for having me there. It's a very cool club. They literally have a clubhouse on this compound place, and there's like striped bass and walleye stuff. They have the best fly fishing library I've ever seen. About 100 plus VHSs. You can buy sodas for a dollar. And it was great. I'm really thankful they had me out. I love public speaking. I wish more local clubs would have me out to talk. Uh, Yeah, so that wraps it up. That's an hour. So, Jason, thanks for doing this. I know you're probably shad fishing right now, but this should be an easy one for you. Everyone go to Freestone Media. Jason's been doing a lot of production work for music. So, if you want to cut a CD, talk to the man and he's been posting some guitars that's one thing i always wanted to learn was how to play guitar like if i could have done that mtv show where you learn how to do something it would have been me playing guitar or skiing i just don't have any musical talents that's it for more information uh robsnowy.com and freestonemedia.com that's freestone with a dash between them and that sums it up thanks for listening any questions shoot me an email We're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, Jason and I both, so check it out, and I'm going to go eat probably another bean burrito. So, that is it. See y'all later. Thank you for joining us for the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast. For more information or to contact Rob, please go to 
www.robsnowwhite.com. Join Waypoint TV and LG channels in celebrating Great Outdoors Month. Presented by Battery Tender. Tune in every Tuesday and Sunday in June starting at 7 p.m. Eastern. Channel 109 on your LG Smart TV. You can also watch Waypoint TV at lgchannels.com. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. For even more content, be sure to watch the original films from HuntStand Presents on the Waypoint TV channel every Tuesday at 10 p.m. Eastern. Visit waypointtv.com to learn more. Through the Blackwater bayous and in the dark Louisiana night floats a duck camp alive with the sounds of swamp pop and the smells of Cajun cooking. From the Mississippi Delta in Venice to the Cajun prairies of the Southwest, me and the Duck Camp Dinners crew will be hunting and eating it all. This is Duck Camp Dinner. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.